excited about this message. We're going to dig into the truth, the promise, the awesome reality that God's heart for you, for me, for all of us, for his children, is that we would live a life that overflows, that we are made for overflow. We are created to have an overflow of life where we're not just getting by, not just surviving, not just barely making it, but we're thriving. Where there is a life of abundance that flows out of us. It is God's design and will that we would live in that abundance. And, and, And this is just a very raw message. Dawn felt like the Lord put this on her heart a few weeks ago, and she shared it with me. I'm like, oh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And it's just this very, coming from this authentic, raw place of, of this is who God is. This is what we've already experienced, but there's so much more, and God has this as a promise for our life. So I want to encourage you to just try to be very authentic in, in processing this with God. How, how does this fit your real life? Like, are you able to wake up in the morning with a hopeful, confident sense that God's will for my life is that I live in overflow, that there would be so much vitality, so much vibrance, so much abundance of his life in me that it can genuinely be described as overflowing, Like people talk about, you know, is is your glass half empty or half full? Like the Bible says, that's the wrong picture altogether. If you know Jesus, God's will is that you're overflowing, that your cup overflows. Now, we're not going to sit up here and pretend like we have it all together and every morning we wake up with overflow and we just, you know, wake up all cheery and flick on some worship music and dance around the house. Life is hard sometimes and you don't feel that every moment and there's challenges and sometimes you get knocked down but but God (laughs) God's desire God's will is that we would know him in such increasing measure that that ridiculous looking feeling childlike overflow would become more of our reality each and every day So let's get into God's word, because this is not our idea. This is God's idea. This is how Jesus preached the gospel in his day. I'm already excited. (laughs) But this is real. It's good news. Should I go in the scriptures, or do you want to answer? Yeah, yeah, so along those lines, when I felt like God spoke to me, it was just... um, One morning, I just felt like he spoke and said, John 4, and there's this very strong impression of the woman at the well, and and then from there, John 7, um, and I was so tired that I'm like, well, I really hope the woman at the well is in John 4, even though I know that when I'm wide awake, you know, when you're tired, you're just kind of like, so I'm like, well, I hope this is from the Lord, and those two things are the same. Because, um, but anyways, it was, and, um, you know, I woke up from being bleary-eyed, and, um, 
really felt like he spoke a lot of things. And um, one of them was actually an image, which I think is really representative of this whole message. I heard the words always flowing, which is how we're meant to be, like a fountain always flowing with the river of the spirit. Um, And then I actually, what I felt like God wanted another focus to be on was I saw, you know, like um, the little spigot to the hose that you turn on and off, you know, in your backyard. I saw hands turning it on and off. And, you know, we have the power to make choices as to whether or not we are going to be always flowing. You know, there's actually action. So, um, but what I want to encourage us um, as we listen to this A lot of it is going to just come across as being basic, and quite frankly, there are so many words, so many scriptures in the Bible that it's like, oh, I already know that. And I want to encourage us that, um, you know, um, God wants to take everything deeper and deeper still. It doesn't matter how much we know that he loves us. It doesn't matter how much we know that we're meant to be overflowing. It doesn't matter how much we're already connected to him. He wants to take us deeper. He wants those roots to go deeper. And he wants to transform us from one degree of glory to another. The amount of degrees of glory that we already have is not enough. He's a good father, and he wants to lift us up and elevate us even more so that we walk even more in his presence and even more in the glory of his goodness and his kingdom. Amen. So, in other words, we are believing that God has a promise today for us, that as we hear this, we can have open hearts that receive it and say, yes, Lord, I receive that more. And so that's our, that's our posture this morning for us, and we encourage that posture for you, that by the time we're done, you will have a sense the Lord is encouraging you. He's, this is a, a fresh word that he wants to speak to your heart and make it real and draw you closer to him in that. So let's take this uh, idea that we're talking about of overflow and get right into the center of God's word because it's Jesus's idea, not ours. So we're going to read John chapter 7 in two different versions, the ESV and the TPT, or that's called the Passion Translation. And just look for how Jesus introduces this idea. He really preaches the gospel with this idea about overflow, made to overflow, says this in John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were going to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And the same scripture in uh, the Passion Translation just brings out the nuance in a beautiful way. Popcorn me. All you thirsty ones, yeah right here, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. So to put that in an imagery, 
Don and I were talking about a, an all-day-long effervescent spring bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up. What is that? That's you. That's your life. That's the Holy Spirit so active and real and present and powerful that you overflow with the goodness of God. I mean, what, what else could it be? I mean, the Holy Spirit bursting out of you in the fruit of the Spirit. So put it into practical reality so, it's, so we can wake up and God's will for our life is meant to not just be longing for the fruit of the Spirit, but overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Where we live in, as the Bible says, it's a dry and weary land. And sometimes we can feel, right, that's our own life. I can feel like, oh man, I'm just kind of in this spiritual desert, if you will. It's dry and weary, I'm thirsty and hungry, and where's, where's the power? Where's the presence of God? And those are real, authentic things that we go through. There's, there's struggle there in the life of a Christian. But what Jesus is saying is, as you get to know him more and more, you are going to have the Holy Spirit stirring up, welling up, flowing out of you in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit is not only going to be in you in a little bit, but you're going to be abounding in hope, abounding in joy, abounding in love, abounding in peace, abounding in patience. It's going to be flowing out of you. And that's just an amazing picture that that is the will of God for us. To take that as a promise that I'm... Um, Brian Simmons is an amazing biblical scholar, and um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. it. It really just kind of hits home with the way that it touches on, you know, with, with the way that it it's in our modern-day language and really just kind of, for me at least, hits the heart pretty strongly. Um, Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give to you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. That's beautiful language. Springing up and flooding you with endless life. And there's a picture here that this is a process, and that's it. We got to grab hold of that encouragement that it's not whoever believes in him automatically, now it's done, and now you're perfect, and life's always going to be full of this overflowing. Listen to how it's, Jesus says it. The water that I give you will become in him a spring of water welling up. That's a process. It's literally a picture Jesus is painting of a cup that is filling up, or a well, that as you dip it in, it's, it's, it's like filling up from the bottom to the point where it brims up and overflows. And I love that picture because it shows a journey involved. And so we don't need to beat ourselves up. Well, I thought I believed in Jesus. I do believe in Jesus. How come I'm not overflowing all the time with this Endless life of springing and gushing like Jesus talks about. You're on the journey. And let it be that and have grace for yourself for the journey. But what we can know is that it is God's will that our cup would fill up to overflow. It's the picture he's painting. I also love the... Um the word in the ESV is a spring of, it's 
Let's see. We have the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, um, you know, with translation, with any translation, it's so important to, um, to glean the full meaning of the verse to go back and look at the original text. And that's why we really love to do that all of the time. Um, because, you know, that could easily, in, in this day and age, especially in America, that could make you think of, oh, it's a spring welling up to just get me to heaven, to eternal life. But that's actually not what it means at all, which I know, you know, in this church family, that probably wasn't even on our minds. But what I love is that that word, um, eternal life or endless life, um, the endless life is the version that the Passion Translation says. It's the Greek word, ionios. Um, it's a word for endless life, eternal life, and it, this is what it means. Um, continuing forever without end and indefinitely. So it's definitely just not about just getting to eternal life. It's a, it, it is the image of a fountain. It is the image of being connected to him and of that Holy Spirit within us being a fountain that's literally just welling up continuing forever and without end and and overflowing. Amen. One quick Psalm 23, Old Testament. We love this verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil so that my cup overflows. So there's an Old Testament picture of the gospel that, that says that even in the presence of our enemies, God wants to be so real and the anointing of his spirit, his presence, wants to be so real that even in the presence of challenge, trial, enemies, we, our experience is that our cup overflows. That, I mean, man, to me, that's like, can we, to wake up in the morning believing that that is God's will for our life, that no matter the trial, no matter the enemy, no matter the challenge, that God wants to be so real, so powerful, so personal, so present that there can be a genuine overflowing of his life in and through you, so much of a life of abundance that your experience of your own life can be like, wow, God with me brings overflow. I know it's not possible in my own strength, but God with me I can say my life is overflowing with his goodness. That's a promise that he wants all of us to deep, deep, deep in our spirits believe is real about his nature. That's what this is coming down to. This is the nature of God available in the gospel. Jesus is preaching the gospel. He's preaching to people about this is the nature of God. This salvation that he's offering is teaching us about who God is. He is that good, that personal, powerful, and present that he wants to bring us into such encounters with him that our, our life begins in greater measure to overflow. That's why Jesus summarized what he's doing on earth when he says, John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life in its abundance in its overflow it's the same word
All right. We're going to move now to the second piece of this puzzle, if you will. It's not really a puzzle, but in Jesus preaching the gospel about overflow, there's, there's a assumed truth for all of us to grab hold of. That our design of overflow is connected to or affirmed in the reality of our design to be satisfied. So part of living into overflow is accepting and pointing in the right direction that we all are created with a desire to be satisfied. We have hunger and thirst, and that's not a bad thing. Jesus affirms the goodness of hungering and thirsting. Now, it matters to him what direction we put it. I mean, that's kind of everything. But Jesus affirms that when you are hungry, when your soul is thirsty, that's actually a God-given gift so that you can know him and encounter him for all of that eternal life that he has for us. Let's go back to that first verse we read. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, or if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So we gotta think about the reality of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is preaching the gospel. He's preaching good news that is available good news about the kingdom of God, and he's giving an altar call. He's saying, come forward, come to me. And that gospel message and that altar call is wrapped around the language of thirst. It's very interesting. It's the gospel is, if you're thirsty, God made you to have that thirst satisfied. Come to me, I'm the answer. That's the gospel. It's that important to recognize thirst and hunger. Jesus said it like this in John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. It's the same exact idea and this is Jesus preaching his gospel. His good news is that, hey, I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. And the good news is, I am what you're looking for. I am the bread of life that will satisfy your soul. I am the water of life that will thirst, that will quench that thirst like nothing and no one else. So come to me. That's the gospel and an altar call. Even looking into the book of Revelation, All of eternity is described as Jesus being the answer, God being the answer to our thirst. 21.6 says this, it is done. Jesus speaking, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's free. That is the gospel. When we trust in him, this is, think about this, this is Jesus painting a picture of all eternity, and it's the same exact message that he gave in John 7, to the thirsty, I will give them the water of life. 
And lastly, in 22, verse 17, Jesus says, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who has desires take the water of life without price. Again, it's free because it cost him everything. This is Revelation 22. Like, this is like after all of the craziness, all of the, the beasts and the Antichrist and the, all the just wild wars of, of Revelation. At the very end, it's so interesting, Jesus speaks. And this is like the last thing he says right before I'm coming soon. He reiterates the gospel that he preaches in John 7, and it's so simple. He says, if you're thirsty, come. If you have desires, come. Drink the water of life. That's his gospel. Recognize the thirsts that you have, the hungers that you have, and don't go anywhere else but him to be satisfied. He is the only one who will satisfy. And what I find so fascinating is that in this way of preaching the gospel, Jesus never once says anything negative about hunger or thirst or desire. He says, no, feel it, tap into it, get to know it, and know that it's a gift from God meant to direct you to the only one who can quench it and satisfy it. Even that word desire, that's an interesting one, right? Let the one who desires Take the water of life. I mean, literally, the, 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 the meaning of that verse is let the one who feels desire take the water of life. And I love it because so often that, that the idea of pleasure and desire and hunger and, and thirst, they can, they can take on a negative connotation where, where even in, in Within Christianity, it can be churched of you got to put down desire, put down thirst, put down hunger, put down a longing to be satisfied and just follow God. And it's like, whoa, whoa, careful. Yeah, you put down negative desires or really you put down, you put down <laughs> that hunger and thirst and those desires to be satisfied, put away seeking those answers in the wrong places. But the desire that self is, is, is a God-given gift and that's where I love the, the gospel that Jesus preaches, which is, hey, tap into that desire, that hunger, that thirst, and find it satisfied in me. Don't turn it off. Find the real answer. Your soul is made to have joy, the fullness of joy in his presence. Your soul is made, as Psalm 63 says, in contrast to the dry and weary land that is this world that won't satisfy, you are the marrow and fatness that does satisfy the soul. And so in contrast to bad messages that you may have heard in Christianity or in contrast to many other religions, I mean, it's interesting to think of many Eastern religions, the essence of heaven, of nirvana, is that you have finally let go of all desire. You've finally given up on trying to have anything satisfied because it doesn't work. This world is just suffering. That's all it is. And so in order to achieve heaven, you've got to let go of any hope of being satisfied. Let go of all desires. Detach yourself from all desires. And then when you care about nothing... You're in heaven. Wow, that's yeah, that's really appealing. I just am going to be like a numb ball of deadness. deadness. 
that has no connection to God because God doesn't exist, and I finally don't give a crap about anything, and now I'm at peace. That is not good news when you can feel that you are made to be satisfied. You're made for joy. You're made for a connection with God that satisfies your soul. But no wonder all those Eastern religions have, have nothing to offer in that way because God doesn't even exist. So how, if, if God doesn't even exist, you're right. You have no hope to be satisfied. And the best hope you have is to just feel nothing. Because without God, it is suffering. I mean, the Bible describes hell in 1 Thessalonians as simply being shut out from the presence of God. That is hell. Because you're made, you're thirsty, you're hungry to know God. And if you can feel that, but God, the connection with God is not available and you're shut out from that, you are in hell. Because we're made to know God. That's what will satisfy our soul. So this, this, this gospel that Jesus preaches just gets us so excited. Because it, it's so deep. It's, it's like self-evident. That that is what the human soul is looking for. The human soul is not looking to cut off all desire. No, the human soul is looking to have those deep longings of desire satisfied in the only one who can do it. The only one we're made for. And so the, the good news in all of this is that you are made to have your soul satisfied in connection with God in such a way that you overflow with abundant life. So the sense that we've had is that God wants to take us to new levels. He wants to take us to new levels of intimacy, to new levels of finding our satisfaction in him. You know, the Holy Spirit, um, I love Hebrews 4, where it says, um, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and to joints and marrow. Is there more? I, <laughs> it's just like totally from memory, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Am I remembering it all? But what I love here is that the Holy Spirit like the word of God is the sword of the spirit, right? So get in your word <laughs> and, and, and the words that he speaks over you, the promises and words that he speaks over you, speak those over yourself. Um, but his word pierces to the division of soul and spirit. It, it gets in there and he illuminates things to us. And, you know, like Ephesians 1 talks about, he brings us into deeper revelation. So it's not about just knowing, oh, I know that verse, head knowledge. It's the, what I really feel like is the Holy Spirit is going to be for all of us. We are always included because if we're not growing, if we're like, oh yeah, I got this message down, well then we're dead. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's all about, it's all about more. It's all about more. It's all about drinking more of that fountain. It's all about overflowing more with that fountain um, and I feel like he really wants to, us to really come to him, acknowledging we are thirsty for more. Jesus, show me how I can experience you more. Um, what I feel like is coming to mind are toxic mindsets. All of us have them. I have thousands. So does he. 
well, whatever. A lot, I'm just, our entire life is a process of him renewing our minds and showing us his way, you know? And so there are things that we quote unquote already know, you know, like a, a funny example for me is, you know, our roof is getting fixed and, um, and, I, and it, it's been such a praise story and the words that I felt like God spoke to me, I was declaring, um, I was not declaring them fearlessly, I was declaring them fearfully <laughs> and, and, you know, trying my best and everything came to pass that, you know, that the Lord was speaking and it's all going to be paid for by the builder um, and then, you know, this week there's another little obstacle that I need to, you know, make a number of calls to companies and whatever regarding that. And all of a sudden I realized, the Lord just kind of highlighted in my spirit, hey, um, you've been like dreading that and fearful and you didn't bring it to me. And I'm like, oh, how did, I, how did I do that? How did that happen? I don't know. You know, I've already brought everything else regarding the roof to him, but it's just kind of, he wants to take things deeper. It, don't beat yourself up for anything. We're kids. We're learning. We're in process. He died for us because we need him and we're not perfect like ever. He wants to take us to deeper places. So just a real encouragement um, to be asking the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to show you where he wants to give you more. Where you've been, um, you know, in a sense, drinking from other places unintentionally. You know, for me, it was kind of like finding, you know, if we're nervous or anxious about something, we're actually finding refuge in fear. And there's a toxic mindset of, whoa, I'm not, I'm not in agreement that you're a good daddy, that you're taking care of me. I'm kind of just letting fear take over my view of this situation. And for me, it was very, it was very unconscious, um, but he wants to take everything deeper. He wants to take you to new levels of your mind being renewed according to his will, according to his word, and where the impossible is possible. Um, and, you know, wh whatever it may be, just be asking. I want to encourage all of us to really be actively asking the Lord to put finger and massage and open the eyes of our heart for specific areas where he wants to allow him more and experience him more and almost in a sense remove the core. you know little parts of the fountain there's little corks there just left from life and we you know what he wants to just remove more corks you know one cork after another some more bursting forth with more life and that process of the transformed mind you know of us pressing into him and of him transforming our and it's not just knowledge. You know, our idea I need to go get fed. The action, not anyways, yeah, just And there's a part that we play, then what we always see in scripture is that when God makes promises they don't automatically come to pass if we don't respond in a way that honors the relationship, where God essentially is saying, this is available to you, this is my will for you, this is what I want for you, and now because I love you so much, I'm not gonna just force it on you, I'm going to, in real relationship, invite you to respond to me. And what's beautiful 
is we see it right there in John 7 from Jesus. So let's look at it, and then we'll close our time. John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So it's right there. There's our response. There's our action step. We have this incredible promise from God that you are made to have your soul satisfied in connection with God in such a way that you more and more overflow with abundant life. But if you just sit on that news and do nothing, then it won't come to pass automatically. Jesus tells us how it comes to pass right here. If you're thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's not if you're thirsty, cool, because you're just going to wake up and be satisfied. That's not real relationship. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And you know what's crazy to me is that those are commands. Let him come to me and drink, is, is, that's a little bit fluffier. It's straight up, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. They are imperatives in the Greek. They are commands. They are, if you want this, do this. If you're thirsty and you want that river of living water to flow out of you, there's a solution. Here's your action step. Here's your responsibility. Come to me and drink. So I love it because it's a real relationship. It's a, it's a call to responsibility, personal responsibility to take for our life. And where are we choosing to seek satisfaction? Where are we choosing to have our thirst quenched? Where are we choosing to have those desires met? Where are we choosing to have those hungers satisfied? Because we do wake up with a thousand and one options every day, and many of them are dark and toxic for the soul. Jesus is recognizing your hunger and thirst and saying, that's good, it's a gift from God, but where are you gonna direct it? That's what it's all about. And so really there's a, a spiritual retraining of the mind that Don was talking about where can we walk every single day under the good news of this promise that our soul is made to live in connection with God in such a way in increasing measure that our life overflows with the fruit of the Spirit and all other abundance from God. And because of that, we are retraining our mind to be aware of where, when is my soul thirsty and where am I drinking? And that that's not just a theoretical question at all. It's a pointless question if it's just theoretical. It's an intensely personal and practical question that is really meant to be one of those pray without ceasing mindsets. Or this is the word of God put into a practical question. When your soul is thirsty, where are you drinking? And what does the, the, the Bible say about the word of God? Meditate on it day and night. Blessed is the one who meditates on it day and night. For you'll be like the one who is a tree planted by the river. Oh, there we go. The river of life who sets down its roots in the stream and does not wither when it's hot, but bears fruit in every season. So there it is. There's the rivers down there. The river's available 
But it's as we are living with renewed, a renewed mind, we're meditating on the, the truth of God, we're able to respond in a real relationship. And so the truth of God that we believe is absolutely essential to renew our mind every day is this to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, be asking this question. Is my soul thirsty right now? Is my soul hungry right now? Where am I going to drink? And, and grow that awareness by the Holy Spirit's help. As we go throughout our day, we're, we, kind of like the radar, we can feel it. Oh, my soul's thirsty. My soul's hungry. Where am I going to drink? Where am I going to feast? And it might be in real big picture stuff or it might be just in tiny little stuff. It might be, what are you doing on your 15-minute break at work? Are you going to the place that satisfies? You know, for me, and, and I know for most of us, I'm, I'm going to say, these things, these are a constant temptation to eat non-soul-satisfying Chex Mix that fills you up but never leaves you satisfied. Yeah. I'm going to read a verse on that. Um, I, I completely agree. The screens, more, mostly our phones, you know, it's like, most of us, we get home from a long day of work, you know, a few times a week. Maybe we're sitting down to watch, relax and watch a movie, you know, but the screens are with us all of the time. They are a constant. It, we could snack, like he said, all day long and never be satisfied. And, you know, the danger in snacking is you'll also never know you're hungry. There are so many things in our world that if you're not feeling hunger, I would say look to where you're spending your time. Because oftentimes it's places that you're going that are momentarily satisfying, but never leaving you full, you know, leaving you totally filled up. And this verse, I love this verse. I felt like um, God spoke this to me this morning. Um, it was a, a new add-on to the message. Um, this is one of my favorite verses. Where did it go? Sorry, I'm going to pull it up in my Kindle. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I love the ESV version, but I'm also, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. This is so good. Listen, this is sorry, <laughs> Isaiah 55, verse 1. Listen, are you thirsty for more? Come to the refreshing waters and drink. Even if you have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come and buy all the wine and milk you desire. It won't cost a thing. Why spend your hard-earned money on something that can't nourish you or work so hard for something that can't satisfy? So listen carefully to me and you'll enjoy a sumptuous feast, delighting in the finest of food. Pay attention and come closer to me and hear that your total being may flourish. That's the gospel. Isaiah 55, I encourage you to maybe mark that in your lift notes. That's a great um, verse to meditate on maybe throughout this week as you uh, go deeper. We trust as you go deeper with the Lord in, in, in this idea. And let's, let's close in prayer. And It's time. We're closing in prayer. <laughs> nope, next week. Yep. You're a fountain that keeps flowing. <laughs> next week. Let's pray and... Just, let's posture our hearts in a way where we just say, Lord, we, we want to receive this. I want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you direct right now, just in a quiet moment, in a quiet moment, just between you and God, 
we want to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us. So I encourage you to just posture your heart in very a very childlike, listening way. The Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show us right now where our soul is thirsty and when our soul is thirsty and where are we going to drink. We pray that you would be showing us some things that are like that Isaiah 55, that, 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 that checks mix that we go to, but we're wasting our money because they don't nourish and satisfy the soul. And we pray that you would help beckon us, show us some things where you're inviting us to drink of the water of life that nourishes and satisfies the soul. We ask your Holy Spirit to just gently speak to us and give us some action plans this week, heightened with awareness of our thirst, what we're going to set aside, and where we're going to go and drink. We just quiet ourselves before you, Lord. Dance a new dance like David